right, hello everyone. This is Peter Miller for Smarter Than BPD, and this is episode 13, Lucky 13, on March 23rd, 2023. And in fact, this might just be your lucky episode, because today I wanted to go into more detail about a very important piece of working through emotions and thoughts. And this ties back to some of the diagrams um, and the cognitive appraisal process that I was describing uh, in previous episodes. And that, um, again, is available at the blog. Basically, if you don't know how to do this part, then the, you know, everything else you might know about emotions and thoughts and other things pertaining to mental health and psychology won't really work very well. At least that's my experience anyway. So you could even say this is like a trick, uh, sort of like a set of moves um, so that you can do something in a way that is... Um, effective and that actually helps you sometimes i make the comparison to my past uh, interests in uh, skateboarding that's what i loved to do as a, a teenager and you know when me and my friends were doing that we were always trying to learn new tricks right uh, basically uh how to put a how to put a certain set of movements together to do something interesting and fun on a skateboard and one of the first things that I learned, and I guess a lot of skateboarders learn, is what's called an ollie, where you try and um, get the skateboard off the ground by doing a certain kind of kick jump. And then you can, down the road, you can do more advanced things like a, an ollie kick flip, where you flip the board into the air and then land on it. Anyway, I mean, the point of mentioning that is that this thing that I want to discuss today is like a trick in a way like a, a set of moves uh, and you i think you really want to learn it for yourself especially if you are struggling with uh, borderline personality disorder and i've already kind of gone into this a little bit um, in previous episodes when i was talking about how people tend to skip over emotions and rush to trying to think of things rationally or logically. And I've seen this in my practice like again and again and again, uh, where uh, people do it to themselves and they do it to each other. They say, you know, don't feel that way or don't think that way, just look at it this way, right? So they, they just kind of skip right over what could be happening with a person's emotions but when they do that it actually accidentally makes things harder and worse especially for people with intense emotions because it comes across as invalidating uh, which is very kind of frustrating and painful people like to be understood they like to have their emotions validated even if initially they could be thinking and feeling in a kind of irrational way it's important to understand this and to start trying to work with emotions in this updated different way 
So, and I wanted to kind of share an example uh, from some of my practice uh, that I think would really help people to, to understand like how this works. And so the trick is kind of like, we want to be able to validate our emotions initially when things happen in life. And then we want to be able to think things through after we validate the emotions so that we can then have the decision of whether we want to hold on to the initial emotion or let it go and maybe replace it with a different kind of emotion that would make more sense for the situation that we're in. So this is like a little bit, it could be a little bit confusing or tricky because I'm saying on the one hand, validate the feelings, but then later on, a little bit later on in the discussion, like maybe even uh, a minute or a few seconds later on, you want to be able to not hold on to the initial feeling because it might not be fitting for the situation. So this example I was going to share, um, and I've had this type of session and experience with many people where I've tried to kind of get this across. And it's like very kind of counterintuitive, probably because most of us don't live in a culture or society that takes time for emotions. Like we live in a rushed world, don't we? Where, you know, like time is money and like anything that kind of inconveniences or slows down the money making process, we don't really want to do or embrace. So probably for generations and generations, and, and maybe especially since uh, the world was driven by money, like we have let go of this way of taking care of ourselves because it is inconvenient. It slows things down. Anyway, that's my little uh, vent, I guess, on, you know, the, the world as it is and uh, capitalism and blah, blah, blah. I know we have to learn how to live in this uh, set of circumstances. So we have to learn how to function in this sort of dysfunction that we're in. Okay, but back to my example. So a person says, um, I had an appointment and I... Uh, got worried about going out, like walking to my appointment. I started thinking some thoughts that, you know, I might be in danger or get attacked when I thought of walking to my appointment. So I missed my appointment. And then when I missed my appointment, I felt very ashamed because I, you know, I might have wasted somebody's time or, you know, inconvenienced somebody. So I started judging myself for missing my appointment and feeling like lots of shame. So what could happen here is that a person, this happens, and then a person starts to judge themselves and they start to feel ashamed. And maybe they start to think about the situation again and again throughout the day, right? And they get stuck on this self-judgment and this shame and it just goes around and it keeps building up inside of them. Maybe to the point where, you know, they get angry or maybe the, to the point where they don't even want to like be living anymore because they're feeling so much shame. So the, the trick in this instance is to, I always say, start with the feeling. So if a person is feeling shame because they missed an appointment, we would want to validate that shame feeling. So for this person, it kind of, it would make sense that uh, 
he could feel some shame because he values uh, being on time and being responsible and following through with things. So he f it makes sense that initially that he could feel some shame, right? And to just kind of breathe with that and and sit with that for you know maybe a minute or two or you know in that ballpark and just let the shame be be there and acknowledge it and see you know and understand why it shows up and so that's why the shame shows up now once you've we've had a chance for the feeling to exist right taking a few moments to let the feeling exist that helps the brain to settle down the emotional center of the brain because the emotion has been uh, validated it has been witnessed it has been recognized so the brain settles down the rational parts of the brain become more available to for use right so then we can ponder and we can challenge some of our initial thinking uh, so a person might say, if I missed an appointment, uh, does that, you know, in, in the situation that I'm in, uh, like maybe where I haven't learned a lot about my mental health yet and how to, you know, work through some of my anxious anxieties and, you know, I'm just starting out, you know, does it make sense for me to really feel lots of shame for this? Because, I'm, I mean, this person has no intent to do harm to anybody, has no intent to inconvenience anybody, uh, doesn't want to not follow through with his values and, uh, and trying to be responsible. He wants to be responsible, um, but he got hung up. So, I mean, if you really think about it and you challenge these thoughts, you'd be like, well, it doesn't really make sense, actually, to feel a, a shame because there was no intention to cause any problems for anybody. Um, and, you know, I'm in the, you know, the person could say, I'm, I'm in the beginning stages of working on myself. Uh, I haven't done a lot of work yet, like a lot of people in society haven't learned a lot about how to be in their body and take care of their thoughts and feelings like, most people are denied this privilege and you know and then they even blame themselves for for not being able to do it even though they never had the opportunity to really learn like in school or with parents or you know with others through their developmental years they didn't have this training right so it doesn't really make sense to feel shame in this situation. I mean, I think it makes more sense to let go of the shame and it might make more sense to feel like frustration or maybe like some disappointment. Like it's, it's frustrating that that had to happen, uh, you know, and that I wasn't able to follow through with, you know, the way I want to be uh, being responsible and to keep to my values of, you know, following through with things. So it's frustrating, it's disappointing, and I can let go of the shame. So hopefully what I, you can see here, what I'm trying to demonstrate is, um, so initially we validated the shame. It makes a lot of sense to feel shame. Initially, we settled the brain down, and then we thought it through a bit, challenged some of that thinking, and then we actually let go of the shame and replaced it with some frustration and disappointment, which is 
I think frustration and disappointment is a little bit easier to handle, a little bit easier to tolerate than shame. Shame is one of the, the hardest emotions for people to hold on to, um, you know, thinking that you're a bad human being. This is, this is a, quite a toxic emotion. Um, and, you know, people are, they're good, they're good humans in most cases, right? Uh, they want to do good for themselves and others in the world. And lot, there's lots of uh, people that uh, are like that, but then they, they judge themselves as being like the opposite, like they're, they're bad, right? So they feel this, uh, you could call it misplaced shame. It's like it doesn't need to be there, but it's there because they are judging themselves as um, bad, like they should be able to do things when they haven't yet, you know, learned how to do it. It would be like if I was starting out skateboarding and someone's like, here's a skateboard, you know, just do a, an ollie kickflip right now, right? And it would take, it would be impossible, right? And I could be like, oh, I'm such a bad human being because I couldn't do an ollie kickflip like right away on my skateboard. That wouldn't make like any sense, of course, right? But with, with mental health, people kind of expect that just because they're a certain age, that they should have these kind of specialized skills um, developed, even when there was no training uh, to get these skills. And I like to pass this sentiment on to people because when you realize that, you know, you didn't have the, the opportunities to learn these important things, you can be like, well, I don't need to be like beating myself up or shaming myself when I have a difficult moment um, with uh, my emotions or, or my thoughts, emotions and behaviors, right? I can be like, you know, this is frustrating, uh, but I'm in a learning process. And as time goes by, I'm going to get more skilled. And as I, like, as I have more practice opportunities and I can apply some of the things that I'm learning through the resources that I'm accessing, like whether it's this podcast or other resources, right? I can start practicing daily a little bit, how to do things, how to take new approaches, um, you know? I can talk to my coaches if I have a coach, like a therapist or, or others who understand mental health. And that's the, that's the learning process, right? It's totally normal, totally normal. Like uh, when I started with my skateboarding and, and also snowboarding in the winter here in Canada, like in the beginning stages, I hurt myself and I fell down and, right? and and. <laughs> But that didn't really deter me because I wanted to learn how to do it so badly at the time. So I just kept getting up and trying it again, uh, you know, talking to my friends who could do the things that I wasn't yet able to do, kind of get their advice and their tips, you know, and we would go out and, and um, play on our skateboards and kind of do that mutual support thing on a daily basis right for for a number of years actually in the while we were all teenagers and uh, over time you know we most of us got like a lot of the rudimentary skills going and we could all kind of ollie and you know move pretty swiftly on our skateboards and and do other things on like ramps and 
and a variety of tricks, right? Some of us got better than others and they were maybe a little bit more athletically inclined or they maybe they just practiced more. But, you know, we, we all could actually do most of the basics because we were willing to go through that process of learning and I guess even find some enjoyment in the process of learning. Like imagine that, finding some enjoyment in the process of learning about your mental health. And sometimes I say this to people like, and I've said this in a previous podcast, like these things that happen in life, these stresses and frustrations, like you can, if you want, use them as practice opportunities. Like you can practice feeling shame and and working through the process of moving through the shame using skills like self-validation and and mindful awareness and breathing and thought challenges and like you can you can take these things as opportunities and be like wow you know i'm so glad that i had these <laughs> events and stresses in to in my day today because then i i was able to like practice my skills that i'm working on in mental health and you know these situations actually made me a stronger person you know and i could work on my tricks right quote unquote my trick my mental health tricks so if you want to adopt that that learning attitude i mean that would probably be a good thing uh, a whole new kind of uh, paradigm or perspective on how life happens and you know how you can use it to to your advantage instead of uh feeling like everything is you know awful kind of thing so those are the main things that i wanted to get across today uh and i wanted to make sure that you had this specifically as an explanation i'm going to be attaching a couple of articles to this episode at the blog smarter than bpd.info uh, so you can read through the articles and um and also kind of ponder ponder the world that we live in you know like does it allow time for mental health I mean, I've heard it said that money likes speed. Someone said that to me the other day, and I was like, money probably does like speed. But like, so I don't know if money likes mental health <laughs> because we need to be able to take time to take care of our mental health. And if, you know, if, if money likes speed, then there isn't going to be very much time for mental health. And maybe that's what's sort of happened over the generations right without anybody even being aware of it we've omitted this part of trying to take care of ourselves and being healthy in the name of making more money and uh, being able to do whatever we want with money so just kind of you know think about that and when you find that you're skipping over your emotions or you notice that others are kind of doing the same or in the way they respond to you, they're encouraging you to skip over the emotions and just, you know, go straight into the thought challenges and probably invalidating the emotions. I mean, just try and put this in a bit of a framework and go, what kind of a world do we live in? Like, is it 
a functional world that supports our mental health? Or is it more like a dysfunctional world and that doesn't support our mental health? And if I want to be healthy, then I have to be very purposeful about doing things in a different way so that I can work through my emotions, I can think of uh, life in more, more uh, rational ways. You know, I can get unstuck from the emotional experience that isn't serving me well. Because people, they get stuck on the emotions and then the, uh, they just kind of keep going around and around in a circle with the similar thoughts and then creating the same emotion and a similar thought, creating the same type of emotion. Or they could get into multiple thought circles, thought emotion circles, right? This one person I was talking to in my example, um, he got stuck in that shame loop, but then... It also turned into like uh, uh, worrying about what other people, you know, think. So there was some fear. There was a fear loop. It's like if I miss the appointment, then you know other people are going to be thinking bad thoughts about me. So he's kind of getting into into that mind reading, cognitive distortion. So he kind of flipped back and forth between the shame and the and the fear, right? Uh, and, and so he was sort of stuck in two loops at the same time. And imagine if you stay stuck in those thought feeling loops like all day, that builds up inside your system. It builds up in the body. And then people, when they have that buildup of emotional distress, they want relief, right? So that's when people start turning to like anything that might work to kind of reduce their emotional pain it could be substances right it could be uh, pornography it could be overeating it could be uh, getting distracted through overworking it could be a variety of things that don't work uh, they're just short-term short-term benefits short-term relief that they need to keep doing again and again right and so People keep going back to their vices again and again. And that takes a toll, of course, on the body, right? If you eat too much, right, you end up getting overweight. If you work too much, you don't have any life balance. If you're taking drugs, of course, you're doing damage to the brain. Um, and anything else that you could uh, do, kind of like too much, as a way to deal with your emotional pain instead of learning some of the skills that we're talking about in this podcast i mean if you get the right skills going then you don't need to depend on the vices right so invest the time in learning about your mental health and how to do things in ways that work um, so you can let go of the things that are very self-defeating and self-harming and it does take a bit of time, as I was saying. So, and so you, you know, you need to have some patience because the patterns that you developed in yourself, right, throughout your childhood, took several years to develop. So, it can take months to years, honestly, to change some of the 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 patterns uh, to replace the patterns. I should say, right, to update the patterns, let go of the old ones, and replace them with new ones. It, it can take uh, quite a bit of repetition and practice, but it's worth it uh, in the long run. 
So hopefully this makes sense today and sort of you get the idea of the trick of how to uh, initially validate emotions and then move into a thought challenge and then decide if you want to let go of and uh, or replace an emotion with another emotion, you know, what makes the most sense for the situation that you're in. Um, other than that, please do come to smarterthanbpd.info and please note that I have a season two page now. Uh, so you need, if you want to uh, read the materials and see the PowerPoint slides that I have for season two, you need to navigate to uh, season two. And I have a navigation menu at the top of the page. Um, I also still have the Discord group available if anyone wants to ask me any questions about BPD or other mental health related matters. Um, I'll keep that up and running. And yeah, new things I think are going to be on the horizon here. And another uh, thing I might offer if you want to get very deep and serious about your deep into and serious about your learning about BPD. So stay tuned. That should be coming soon. And uh, other than that, have a great day, and we'll be talking to you in the near future.